next four weeks are going to be a little bit different. And uh, we are going to do some things together. I don't know how, for those of you that are followers of Christ, that have, that have, that have come to the place of recognizing your sin, but maybe your experience is somewhat like mine. I grew up in a, in a, uh, in a, in a Christian environment with parents that took us to church on a regular basis. Uh, many a times I would find myself not only in church but at other church activities. Um, and did, how many of you grew up in sort of a situation like that? Lots of, lots of you? Yeah. And there was a time when I was, when I was early on uh, in that environment that I, I came to realize because it was preached very often that uh, for me to come to understand that I was a sinner and that I was separated from God and because of my sin I was separated and, and there, were, there were two places that I could go in life. I could go here or there. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, they used, we used to talk about heaven and hell an awful lot. We, sometimes we forget about that. Heaven and hell. And if I do certain things and if I'm good enough and if I accept Jesus and I'll go to I'll go to, to heaven, and if I don't accept Jesus into my heart, then there's another place I could go, and there was very quickly, early on, I realized that that wasn't the place that I wanted to go, hell, because of all the things that they, how would they would describe it? They would take the Bible and say, well, this is what it looks like, and I go, I don't want to go there, so I want to go to hell, I want to go to heaven, so I want to do whatever needs to be done to go to heaven, Are you with me? So baptize me, do whatever I have to go, I don't, it doesn't really matter, because I want to go to heaven. Now, some of you are looking at me, but you've probably had that same experience. And then what? Then what? I mean, you go to church the rest of your life, right? You get involved in some Bible studies, you do some things, you do whatever, you know, is expected. And there are those things on the outside that we do because those are the things that we're, we, we know that we're supposed to do so that people can see us. But behind the scenes, there's things that we're doing that we know that we shouldn't do. You with me? So church becomes a place that we go. We go to church. And so, um, but man, God's been teaching me an awful lot over the past couple of years, past few years. And as we've had some discussions, um, shouldn't what we believe affect how we live? We're going to talk about that over the next several weeks. But before we do that, why don't we define a couple of things in some participation? And Brian and I, we're going to sort of tag team through this. And so we know that this has the tendency to go very long, so we're going to watch one another. And he's going to sort of break in, and I'm going to break in, and we're going to back and forth. Define for me the word believe, if you would. If you were to define the word believe, how would you define that word? Trust, what was, acceptance, without doubt, faith, what else? If you were to define the word belief, how would you define it? Now I'll tell you what the dictionary says, the dictionary says this, trust, faith, to accept as real or true. It's a state or a habit of mind, trust or confidence that is placed in someone or something. And when we accept Christ, what we say is that we are believing in something. Are you with me? Okay, now let me ask you another question. 
in reference to belief, where do you think belief occurs? In your soul? In your heart? In your mind? In your life? Where does belief occur? Your head, your heart, both, your mind? You know, it's interesting because in the scriptures, over 800 times, some people will say 850, depending on which translation they're using, the word heart is used. And in the scriptures, there are multiple uses or multiple definitions of what we would find the heart, what the heart is useful for or what it does. And here are some of the things that it says. The heart impacts decision-making. It feels emotion. It can be deceived. It desires things. It thinks. It reasons. It lusts. In other words, the heart makes up the totality of who you are. In other words, according to the scriptures, the heart is the the heart is the, the, the mind, the will, and the spirit. Now, when Jesus was talking, if you remember in reference to um, what the greatest commandment was, he said to love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and your mind, and your strength. And what he was saying was the totality of it all, of it all. The totality of who we are. Now, Romans 10, 9 and 10, it says this in reference to belief. That if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe, here's that word belief, and your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You'll be rescued. For it is by believing, there's that word again, believing in your heart that you're made right with God. And it's by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. So we believe with our heart, the deepest part of who we are. We confess with the mouth, but we believe in the heart, in the deepest parts of who we are. So the basis of who we are flows from our hearts. I want to read a passage of scripture in Proverbs chapter 4. This is what the, the writer says there. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. One translation said, from out of it draws the wellspring of life. So who we are in reality flows from the heart. How we act, how we respond, who we are, how we live flows out of the heart. Uh, Luke 6, in reference to the heart, a good tree can't produce bad fruit and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. A uh, A tree is identified by its fruit. Figs are neither gathered from thorn bushes and grapes are not picked from bramble bushes. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. A treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from a treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. So we might be able to say this. The fruit flows from the root. Say that with me. The fruit flows from the root the root the heart the belief the decisions that we make flow out of the heart the fruit is the result of the root the heart now with that thought in mind Brian we've had some discussions if that's true The reality is there are those of us that call ourselves the believers that may not be believers. 
Sure. The, what we want to point out over the next few weeks is that there are things or certain times in our lives that are inconsistent with what we know in our head. Okay? So, um, if I know something in my head about God, but I don't act that out by believing it in my heart, then I'm actually an unbeliever. Now, I don't mean that, you know, you somehow lost your salvation and you need to do something to get it back. What I mean is at that point in time, you're not believing in your heart what you know in your head. For instance, if you know in your head, God is our provider. Anyone know that? Okay, God is my provider. Then why are we sometimes concerned with the economic situation in the country? If I, why am I worried about, um, you know, things that I can't control if I know that God's my provider? So it sounds really good to go, ah, God's my provider, until you check your checking account balance at 10 o'clock in the morning and you say, wow, we're going to need to figure something out to do here. And all of a sudden, I grab the reins back because I feel like, yeah, I know God's provider, but I'm not sure he wants to provide for me right now in the way that I he want to He may not provide. give me what I want. There you go. There you go. He may not give me what I want. So I'm, God, right now, I'm going to move you over to the side, and I'm going to take, I'm going to take back the reins. And so the reality is this. How many of us are believers, yet we live in unbelief? Our actions demonstrate our unbelief in God. I mean, how many of us know that uh, sexual, sexual immorality is wrong? Yet how many have pursued that this week? How many of us as husbands know what the Bible says in reference to truth and loving our wives, but how many of us have responded in a way that is not conducive to loving our wives this week? That's right. And you know, Sydney really likes this fall setting, but I didn't pick it it's because reminding it was us of Vermont, or yeah. North Carolina. Well, the reason for the side is that this road, uh, you know, it's a journey. And the yeah. idea over the next few weeks is that when we begin to close the gap between what we know in our head and what we believe in our heart, are you with me? When we begin to close that gap, that's called sanctification. Because we have a habit a lot of times of wanting to memorize things and put them up here. And the Bible says, thy word have I hid in my heart, not my head. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against God. But it's easy for us to go to church and accumulate an awful lot of knowledge, yet be, there would be a, a disconnect between here and here. You with, you with us on that? Yeah. You say, you say, yes. Yes, because you've experienced that. I mean, if you're a Christ follower, where do you think, why do you think people on the outside go, well, those hypocrites? Because some, even some of the people on the outside know the way that you should act, yet we don't always act consistently with what we say that we believe. Yeah, so this journey that we're on as Christians, it, it is just that. It is a process. It's not something that happens overnight. And so... It's okay, first of all, that sometimes what you know in your head and what you believe in your heart don't match up. However, we want to begin to close that gap. That big word, sanctification, is just a churchy word for spiritual progress, you know, becoming more like Jesus. That's our goal. And so we want that to be the goal, and it's a journey and it's a process. What we want to do over the next few weeks is introduce um, some tools to help do that. Right, right, some very tools. Here's a passage of Scripture really quickly in Philippians chapter 2. Uh, Paul says this, he says, for us to work hard to show the results of our salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Now you hear that, one translation of that passage said to work out your faith with fear and trembling. Now when you hear that, who's at work? We would say we're at work, right? But where do you think the desires come? 
from him. God is at work. God is at work. We can't take any credit for our growth. God, the Holy Spirit is at work with us, prompting us, teaching us what's right, what's not right, how to get right and how to stay right. He's prompting us of the things of the Spirit, and truth comes from His Word, and we're going to see that in just a few minutes. But the Holy Spirit, you know, there's an active role that we play in obedience. But it, it comes from the desires that are created within us from, that flows out of the Holy Spirit, speaking to our hearts. Um, John 16, 8 says, When the Spirit comes, He will convict the world of sin and God's righteousness. And how do we as a family of God become very, um, very quick to listen for the Holy Spirit to speak into our lives what's right and what's not right? How, quick, how important is it for us to hear the Holy Spirit speaking to us in the moment in time? Because, man, I tell you what, how many times do we want to take the reins? God, let me tell you. Let me tell you what I'm going to do. Because I'm not getting what I, I want. Talk to us, because a guy by the name of Tim Chester says this. He says, behind every sin, there's a lie about God. Talk, tell us about that. Yeah, most of the time, in general, when, when we think about stop, stopping to sin, stopping sinning, we think there's behavior. an attitude or an action or a behavior that needs to stop or start, right? I need to quit doing that or I need to start doing that. But, but what we want to say is, actually, at the root of that, there's, there's a misbelief about God. And if you remember a few weeks ago, we talked about the gospel and the idea that discipleship and evangelism happen before you come to know Jesus and discipleship and evangelism have to happen after. And the reason for that is because there are things in our life, even after you've been a Christian for a long time, that still need the gospel spoken into you, right? There are, there are areas of your life that we need to be reminded of the gospel and, and the belief about God, um, what, we're, what we're saying is there might be fruit of disobedience, but at the root of that, I'm choosing something over God, which really is idolatry. Well, so I'm misbelieving something about God. Well, when David sinned, if you remember the story of David, and I was going through this with Abby this morning on the way here um, as I was practicing. And, 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 in, and in Psalms 51, David comes back and he says... Um, Against you and you alone, Lord, have I sinned and done evil in your sight. Now, if you know anything about the story of David in the scriptures, if you remember, David was what? David committed adultery. David was a liar. He was a murderer. I mean, of all this stuff, and you would say, look at all the pain and the suffering that had been caused by David. But here's David to come back and say, he came back and said, against you and you alone, Lord, have I sinned. See, what David was saying in his sin is that, is that, God, in my sin, I believe that what I want is more important than what you want, that you're not capable of providing for me what I need, so I'm going to do what I want. Not your will, Lord, but my will. And that's what we say when we sin. We say when we sin, Lord, I don't really care what you say. It's important what I want. My will, Lord, not your will. And it's a radical view of sin. But how many times do we think that stop, stopping sin is stopping behavior? You know, if I can just stop this like Brian said, but that's not stopping sin. Because it begins where? At the basis of what we believe. Um, so there's a memory verse that we're going we're gonna to talk about a lot over the next several weeks, and it's John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. And, uh, and I think we've got a copy of that up on the screen. I'm not positive. There it is. 
But this is what, this is what Jesus said. If you abide in my word, you're in, in his word, in his word, if you abide in, remain in, hold on to my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will do what? Man, don't you want to be free? You know, you can come to church and be in tremendous bondage. You ever known people that claim to be believers, yet they're living in tremendous bondage? Yet here is Jesus saying, listen, you want freedom? Let me tell you where freedom comes from. It comes from truth. It comes from my word. And if you will remain, and if you will abide, and if you will stay there in that place, that's going to be very useful to us. So sanctification and freedom comes and flows out of God's word. Um, so anyway, what we want to do over the next four weeks is talk about some truths that we believe that Scripture talks about in reference to God. And in discussing those truths, it's going to teach us an awful lot about, about our lifestyle. And if we hold on to these truths, they're going to help us as we seek to grow from moving from just it being head knowledge to heart knowledge. Um, so it's going to be really important that we really pay a close attention. And one of the things we're going to ask you to do is at the end of the service today, we're going to give you something to do. And, and the beginning of each week, we're going to talk about um, how you applied that in the previous week. So there's going to be a lot, a lot of discussions. Uh, but let's start off today with the first one. And Brian's already told you what it is. God is great. That's the truth. God is great. Um, so I don't have to be in control. In other words, we're going to give you a truth about God. And then there's something that sort of follows that up. Because God is great, then here's a response. And so that's today what we're going to talk about. Because God is great, I don't have to be in control. I don't have to take the reins back. Now, I, what I want to do, I don't want to spend... 30 minutes convincing you of God's greatness, but I do want to read you some passages of Scripture. And if you are a real spiritual person and you succeeded in the Bible drills and you're really fast, you might be able to keep up with me. If not, just sort of sit there. But I do want to read these passages of Scripture because I think they're very important. This is what they say. Psalms 145.3 talks about God's greatness. It says, Great is the Lord and He is worthy of praise. No one can measure His Greatness. The NIV says, uh, his greatness no one can fathom. Does anybody know what the fathom is? It's a unit of measurement. Fathom. It's just like inches, feet, yards. Fathom is 1.8 meters. It's about six foot. Uh, when I was offshore fishing with Caleb the other day, we were in about 12 fathoms of water, which would have been about 72 feet. A few weeks ago, I had the privilege of going fishing off in Mexico. I was in about 100 fathoms of water. 600 foot. Um, and here the psalmist says, listen, God's greatness is unfathomable. His greatness is, is uncomprehendable. It's unmeasurable. You can't calculate how awesome and how great God truly is. He is powerful. God is sovereign. And that word sovereign means that God is controlled. The psalmist says one in 115.3, says our God is, is in the heavens and he does as he wishes. Don't you wish that you could do what you wished? Here's God saying, listen, some is saying God can do whatever he wants to. He's in control. He's large and in charge. Revelation 21.6, he's the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Paul wrote in, in Colossians 1.16 in reference to Jesus, for through him God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth, and he made things we can see and the things that we can't see, such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Man, that's pretty powerful. God's great. 
Romans 11:33 says 34 oh how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge how impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways for who can know the Lord's thoughts I always get tickled at people that want to sit down and discuss scripture and they think they've got it all together you ever been around people like that I mean they're the ones that know exactly what's going on who knows enough to give him advice so here's God the past the present and the future and there is no limit God's greatness Jeremiah 32 17 O sovereign Lord you made the heavens and the earth by your strong hand and your powerful arm nothing is too hard for you now it would be pretty easy for me to say how many of you guys believe that and probably most of you would say oh I believe that I believe that I believe that those things that you just read in the scripture are true now the question comes is how much of that affects our lives and how we live on a daily basis if that's true that God is great shouldn't that be lived out in some type of a way moment by moment in our lives yeah I think that um, God is great so I don't have to be in control however the only time you really get upset with people or circumstances is what when it doesn't go your way right honest I mean as long as everybody does everything I think they should do I'm great with all you guys Right. As long as people do in church what I think they should do, I'm okay. As long as I play the right music, you'll yeah. keep coming, right? Most of you. And <laughs> 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 but we get upset with people and circumstances when things don't go our way, right? And so if you don't trust God's sovereign control, sovereign, another big church word, it just means God's in control of everything. If you don't trust that, what do we do? We try to take control of things and and usually in a harmful way we try to manipulate mm -hmm. the situation or manipulate the person we try to take control or dominate the situation because we want the outcome what that we desire so if I don't get the outcome I desire let me show you how this works and I begin to take control to get it then what am I saying God's not that great do you see how that introduces to you? It shows you where you're falling short, not just um, you know, of something that you're doing or not doing wrong or right, but you're looking God in the face and going, you're this great, just not this great, so I'm going to you know, take control of this for a minute if you don't mind. When you say it like that, it sounds really silly, doesn't it? <laughs> but we do it all the time. We it's easy it to time. stand in this position and tell you what you should do and I not do it. You ever told your kids what they needed to be doing or what the scripture had to say yet you yourself weren't doing that I mean slap us all on the hand right we can it's easy for us to point toward somebody else what you need to be doing yet we've got that other stuff going on in our lives sure. if you're if you're worn out with busyness stress or you know you're you're just killing yourself because you think that you've got to be um, you know doing a certain amount to get through the week it, it might be that you don't trust in God's sovereign control not saying it is I'm just saying it might be that's a question to ask if you're just totally stressed you think God wants us to live this totally stressed out worn out busyness life 
if, we, if you're there, then you need to ask the question, am I really trusting in God's sovereign control? You know, we can take the scriptures and we can, we can give you scriptures to memorize that you can take. We can say, okay, now I believe that God is great. But let's look at it in the overall picture of God's greatness inside of his story in the scriptures. If we were to look at, at, the, at the scriptures as a whole, what are some stories that you might know about God that would demonstrate or give a picture of his greatness? What are some of those, what are some of those stories that you might remember from the scriptures that talk about or demonstrate God's greatness? What are some of those stories? The Exodus, okay. Raising Lazarus. Great, Sam. What else? Resurrection. What, Leanne? Feeding the multitudes. Daniel. Daniel and the Great. Creation. Mm-hmm. Pretty great. Huh? Creation. Yeah. Pretty great. Yeah. Pretty great deal, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> pretty significant. Yeah, pretty significant. I mean, you can go on. I mean, Noah, the rainbow. I mean, there are lots of things that demonstrate God's greatness in, in, if, if you were to take a look. It's one thing to sit back and look at a passage of Scripture. It's another thing to experience God's greatness in the totality of the story and go, man, God's great. I mean, there's a benefit of taking ten Scriptures and memorizing that, but it's another thing to look at the whole story and go, look at God's greatness, look at God's greatness, look at God's greatness, and in the midst of everything to be able to see God's greatness in light of God's greatness, to view everything. I mean, how in the world do you view the receiving of this facility and and the assets here? I mean, how did you view that? It was luck? Some people would say manipulation. There was no manipulation. There was no conversation. Man, this is God. This is God and the greatness of who He is. The story. God is great. And if God is great, what does that mean? God's greatness as it relates to our lives. How many times do you sit down and go, that's because of God's greatness? That's because of God's greatness. That is because of God's greatness. And when you see it from that perspective, you're a whole lot able, a whole lot more likely to go, hey man, can I tell you about God's greatness? Let me, let me share with you a story. It's awesome. And so, um, so, Brian, you said something about, about talking about, you know, about us getting upset, our circumstances not being the way that, that, uh, that we want them to work out. And, and a lot of times when things don't go, we're okay with God being in control until things don't go the way that we want them to go with the way that we want them to go. And in that time is when we go, whoa, and we want to pull back. Sometimes it's silly stuff like your attitude behind the lady in line that wants to write a check at Walmart. And then she's got to have it go through that thing, and they're like, oh, it doesn't work, and you got to do it, you know. <laughs> and, and your face. This is a personal experience, by the way. <laughs> we share personal stories up here, so these are personal experiences. Uh, sometimes it's a more serious thing, you know, when, when you're dealing with um, you, you. Unexpected bill. Unexpected bill, unexpected sickness or disease, mm-hmm. right? Um, to you or, or maybe a child. You know, yeah. it can be a very serious thing where you have to say, um, God is great. I don't have to be in control. It we becomes this, harder to say that. We had that the other day. We had, there was a, a retainer lost in our house. You go, no, that's the dumbest thing I think I've ever heard. <laughs> Listen, guys, we lost a retainer. I'm not going to tell you who. How much does a retainer cost? It's very expensive. It's very expensive. The only thing I know is this right here. I ended up at about 10 o'clock at night digging through the garbage 
in the garage that was ready to go out. So you know how stinky it was. And I'm thinking, this is the most ridiculous. And I asked Caleb, by the way, that's who had lost it. I asked, I asked. You said you weren't going to tell I who. told him I was going to tell. So I, so I looked at him, and he's, sit, he's sitting on the cooler while I'm going through the garbage. And I'm thinking, this is ridiculous. And I, I said, son, have you prayed about this? And he said, Daddy, I did pray. I said, pray again, son, right now. Pray out loud. So we bowed. <clears throat> because I've learned over time, listen, when I lose something, when I, when I lose something, I have learned. Sometimes it hits me, and it may be a little bit later, but it, it hits me. If I sit down and if I pray, because God is great, and if he's in control, that means, God, you know exactly where what I need is at. And if you think I need it, then you'll give it back to me. And if you don't think I need it, you're not going to give it back to me. So he prayed. And he's like going, I know he's thinking in his mind, what did he make me do that for? Because I've already prayed one time. And I said, okay, we're done. Let's go back in the house. So I walked back in the house. And we said, I'm married. I said, did you find it? I go, nope. But we prayed about it. I said, God knows exactly where it's at. If he wants us to find it, we'll find it. But I'm not worrying about it no more. Do you know how much that costs? I know exactly how much that costs. <laughs> Who do you think paid for it? I walked into his room, picked up a pile of clothes, and there it was. I can't tell you how many times. That's my prayer. Listen, you want, you, want, you want freedom? Pray that when you lose something. Don't get aggravated at your spouse or your kids or somebody else. Just pray about it. Meredith lost her keys this week. I asked her, have you prayed about it? Yes, I've prayed about it. Forget about it then. <laughs> God is in control. And if God's in control, I don't have to be in control. He'll figure it out. It's silly. It's silly. But it's truth. Because what we believe affects how we live. Tim Chester says, if we can't trust God's sovereign control, we are prompted to take control. It's the simplest of things. But if we can't trust God to be in control, I'll take it. I'll take it. If Linda can't trust God to be in control in the midst of cancer, she's going to take it back, try to handle it. Now, I'm not saying don't work as if everything depends on you. You work hard. But when all is said and done, God, my trust is in you. It's not in a doctor. It's not in a cure. It's not in anything else. My trust is in you. So when I say that I believe that, my demonstration is, man, I'm done with it. It's over with. Does that mean that anxiety is not going to be there? You are going to face that. We'll talk about what to do in a minute. That's important. So when you recognize it, the Holy Spirit brings, you've got to lay it to the side and say, God, I've given it to you. You've got to repent, and you've got to place your faith. Repent and faith. But we'll talk about that in just a couple of minutes. Um, Brian, why don't you tell us, because it's, it's easier for us to see in talking about trusting God, talk to us very briefly about Genesis chapter 3 and share with us that story, and let's see if we can see um, this, this, little, this little thing played out. Okay, yeah, this is part of the big story, part of the Bible story that reminds me of someone trying to be in control. This is Genesis 3. I, I didn't hear any pages turning. I was waiting, but nobody... They got it memorized. It. Okay. They got it memorized. It's in the front of the Bible, so they only had to do now one Now that turn. person felt bad, so they're turning into it real quick. Over here, I hear the paper. Okay. It's up there anyways. Okay. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. 
But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, then she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, they knew what they had done, and that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. So, let me ask you a question, see if you understand what I'm saying. What was the fruit produced in Adam and Eve's life that proved they weren't trusting in God's control? Does that make sense? What was the fruit produced in their life that proved they weren't trusting in God? What did they do? Disobeyed. Who said that? Yeah, they disobeyed, right? They didn't trust. That was, that was the fruit, okay? At the, at the root of the fruit was root that the fruit. they didn't believe that God was great and in control. Eve said, wow, I could eat that and I could be like God? Now, God has given us everything. He's made the world for us, then made us, given us all we could ever need, we hang out with him every afternoon as we walk through the garden. He is great, but it sounds really neat if I could just be like God as well. Who was really in control? Who was really in control? God was. God was in control. Yet what happened? I mean, God is in control. Yet he allowed, you mean to tell me that God would allow, but see, their choice didn't mess up God's plan. No, God's, God's over. But what they chose to do didn't mess up what God had going on. God knew exactly what was going on. Even though they wanted to take control, God was still in control. So our choices don't derail God's ultimate plan. That's a huge mystery, isn't it? How that he would allow us the opportunity to make choices within our life, yet that he would still be in control. That's a huge mystery. Wow. Yeah, Eve was starting to think that even though God is great, and she knew of his greatness firsthand, okay, right? They were, they spent time together. It wasn't even just the Bible that she had read. She wasn't just believing on faith. She was believing because she had a relationship just as if, he was sitting right beside her, and yet she believed for some moment in her heart that maybe God was holding something back. You ever thought that? That, man, I've got all these things. I know in my head that God's great, and he's my provider, and he's in sovereign control, but why don't I have, why does he have? Why don't they? Right? Why, why me? All those kinds of questions. Those are those kinds of questions that now that you know this, it reminds you, you hello, that you don't believe. <laughs> it's okay, I don't have to be in control. That's right. Um, those are the things that happen, and it reminds you, right now, I'm not believing that God is great. And to me, for me personally, that shows me the depth of my sin. It's not just so much that's like, nah, it's so cool. I, I, sometimes I just got a hard time. I got to be in control of things like that. No, what you're saying is that the God you say you know and believe in isn't really all that great. 
That's called idolatry when you begin to think of yourself as someone who could be in control rather than him. But we do it all the time. We do it all the time. You know, you you talked about earlier that our, and it's up on the screen, that our, our walk in Christ is, is like a journey. It's, it's a walk. And Paul, in the New Testament, referred to our journey being a walk. As a matter of fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he said, we live by faith and not by sight. We live by believing and not by seeing. And what walking is, is as we walk in our faith, just like we walk, we put one foot in front of the other. Going someplace is intentional. How many times do I see people, I'll make sure I say this correctly, no, how many times do I see people that claim to have faith yet don't care about the next step? They aren't even interested. I mean, they'll show up on Sundays, or they'll do what the things that they think that they're supposed to do Yet they're not really focusing on the next step. They're trusting in themselves. I can't tell you how many families, churches, fuss about some of the dumbest things. That's not of God. Man, that, that's not about growth. That's not about, that's not about trusting and believing that God is great and that he is in control. Um, Oftentimes, we've had this, this thought about, about sin and un unbelief, and it, and, and it says this in reference to growth. I'm going to spend some time in prayer. That's what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to read some scriptures in the morning, and um, I'm going to ask, ask God to help me with some things, and I'm going to get up, and I'm going to feel really good because I've done my spiritual duties for the day. And within a matter of moments, we tend to face some things that are very difficult. And we, we'll say in the midst of our prayer, God, I'm giving this to you, and I'm going I'm to cast my cares upon you, Lord, and you just take them, and, and you just watch over me, and you protect me, and you provide for me and my family. And in a matter of 30 minutes, after you get up and you say, I've given it to God, you're turning right back around and, and taking it back. You're taking it back. Um, you go from, from giving it up to God to turning right around and worrying about it or trying to control it or trying to manipulate it. You've probably seen it in your jobs. You see it in your family. You see it in your finances. You see it in every area of your life. And so we'll do these things. We'll do these, these disciplines. And it's, but there's a disconnect. And so we're talking about how do we as a family of believers, those of us that are followers of Christ, how do we grow and lessen the distance. Lessen the distance. Yeah, I think that, you know, if there's times, it's so, it's so, God knows that you don't have it all together, first of all. So let's just. And we know that you don't have it you all know, together. You don't have to pretend. So if you wake up. Because I don't have it all together. Definitely. And you don't have it all together. Definitely. There's only one person that I know that has it all together. Brooke. No. <laughs> That's too easy. Okay. That's a good. That's a good. Good call. There. So, well, it's being recorded, so I can uh, show her that we uh, said that. Um, <laughs> did I tell you what Meredith did the other day? I'm just. Okay. <laughs> no. So, like you're saying, if at 6 a.m. I get up and I give all these things to the Lord, and then at 10, all of a sudden, um, whether it is I checked the the account balance, or you get that someone tells you you get that phone call that the boss wants to see you you know and you start thinking all the things what could it possibly be or whatever and then you're grabbing control again back well then you realize that you've done it and you go oh who, who you know you just don't realize where does it come from the holy spirit, holy spirit and you. because now you know the four g's okay right. so Learning he tells you god is great i'm to be control but now you feel stupid because you go oh yeah 
I, I forgot. And then you start to feel bad. But that's what we're talking about is that process. What will happen eventually is that this gap will close and it will happen less and less. Does that make sense? That's spiritual growth. When you, when you look back a year from now and you say, that thing that I was misbelieving about God, you know, and it was happening, you know, once every four hours or once a week, now it's happening much less. That means God is changing me into the man that he wants me to be, not out of my own effort, but him working in me and me believing who he is, who he says he is. So instead of getting anxious about when we, when we blow it, when we, when we fall into that pattern of not living out what we say that we believe and, and f truthfully forgetting that God is great. When we fall into that pattern and we find ourselves and the Holy Spirit reveals to us, hey man, listen, you've blown it. You've, you've messed up. What do you do? What do you do? Repentance. See, we have a tendency to think repentance is somebody running down the aisle and falling on their face and crying and whoa, and that's a big thing and that's, you know, that's repentance. Well, that, yes, that can be repentance. But repentance is moment by moment by moment by moment by moment. It's not I have repented and then I, it's done. I'm, it's repented and repented. It's like Holy Spirit brings it to your mind. Man, listen, you blew it. You forgot that I'm in control. You forgot that our Heavenly Father is great and that He's in control. What do you do? You repent. The word repent means to turn, to repent ye therefore. Now, repentance isn't just feeling sorry. Repentance is making to turn. It's making an adjustment. Repenting and back to faith. Back to faith. Back to faith. Something's going on in the back. But I think that's an angry our... ringtone. Oh. <laughs> Y'all need, need to change that ringtone. It's very angry. Oh, my goodness, Ray. So anyway, God is great. It's easy to intellectually believe that. It's more difficult to apply that to our lives. Um, I've shared this story multitudes of times, and as we close out, I want to share it again. I think I'm going to finish up. Um, I've told you about the mother who brought the child to me one time, and she said, you fix him. He is broken. He is broken. And I said, listen, I said, he's just an idiot. That's what he is. And I was sitting at my desk, and I'm thinking, I can't help this kid out. I mean, he's just a mess. You know, and he was one that would be here. Every, he would be in church any time. This is years and years ago, but he would be in church any time. He would be at any youth function because that was mother, what his mother said he had to do. But she brought him to me thinking, I said, I can't fix him. And the Lord spoke to me. And, man, listen, this is such a good example. But I'm sitting at my desk, and why in the world I had a fork in my desk? Now, some of you would think that's a joke, you know. But I had a fork in my desk. And I leaned over and I said, I said, here, man. I said, take that fork and stick it in the light socket. And he said, what? I said, here, stick it in the light socket. He goes, no. I go, just stick it in the light socket. He goes, no. And I go, why? He said, because it'll shock me. I go, no, it won't. I said, don't do that. I said, just stick it in the light socket. He goes, no. And I said, why? He said, because it will shock me. I go, it will not shock you. Stick it in the light socket. <laughs> he said, it will shock me. I go, so what you're telling me then is what you believe affects how you live? He just looked at me and goes, that was a good one. <laughs> yeah. But you know, as the, as, the family, as the family of God, we have to constantly remind ourselves that what we believe in the depths of our heart affects, should affect how we live in every aspect. In every aspect.
And I, you know what? And that's one of the reasons that missional community small groups, it's, that's why it's, for some people, they like to come to church instead of be the church because they can come to church and nobody hold them accountable for this, this type of an action. But when you're sharing life and you get to know one another, and all of a sudden you go, hey, you're not, you're not believing right now that God is great. Man, that's, that's like, whoo! You're not believing. You're not living right now as God is great. And we need that to be constantly reminded to, to not just say that I believe that God is great, but to live out that God is great. Can you imagine a family of believers that lives and acts and functions in that way? Man, that's pretty doggone healthy. I was, somebody was talking to me the other day, and, and they were from another area. And, and this is how they described, as we were describing and talking, they go, now that sounds like a church. That sounds like a real church. And I thought, yeah, that's it. Not perfect people, not people that have it all together, not because of size or buildings or finances or anything else, but that's the church functioning together, living to grow, to, to, to minimize the distance between what we believe in our head and what, we're, what we're, we're holding in our heart, to be sanctified, to become more like Christ. That's the church, and that's who we should be. See, we want to focus on the outward things. I mean, you want to you focus on the outward things, and we've done that. Oh, they're doing that, or they're doing this, and yet we totally miss what's going on in the heart. You want to tell me what somebody believes? We see it in the fruit that they bear. I see it in the people that you hang around, how you treat your spouse, how we treat our children. And listen, every one of us falls short. And if we're honest, all of us in this room at some point in time, like we said up front, are non-believers. I didn't say we weren't saved, but we function as a non-believer. We can repent of the symptoms of sin, yet never get down to the root. And so what we're saying is, it's not so much about the behavior, it's the root of what we believe, which begins in our heart. So the first thing that we want to say is this, God is great. Say that with me, God is great. And because God's great, I don't have to be in control. God is great, so I don't have to be in control. Would you say that with me? God is great, so I don't have to be in control. Um, over the next um, week, we're going to try to put it in a lot of different places. At the end of this, we're going to finish it up. And Brian, I think we've probably got a way that we can give them a, uh, an app or something that they can, uh, they can put on their iPhone or whatever that we can get to remind them. Wallpaper. Wallpaper. Oh, that's what they call it, wallpaper. But listen, I'm just not, I'm not technical. But anyway, what we're going to do, the best thing that we can is, is we want you to talk this week about God is great. And I want you to talk about it in your homes, and I want you to talk about it, I want you to think about it, and remind yourself as you're going along, and listen, the Holy Spirit is your teacher, not Sidney and Brian. The Holy Spirit is your teacher, and as you go about your week this week, I'm going to pray, we're going to pray, that the Holy Spirit is going to reveal to you the areas of your life that are inconsistent. Now, wives don't go, God is great, you're treating me like trash right now. <laughs> listen, let the Holy Spirit teach. And when the Holy Spirit teaches and you listen, you respond. You know how you respond? Repentance and faith. Repentance and faith. Turn around, God, I'm sorry, I was wrong. I acknowledge the sin. God, I am wrong. Acknowledge the sin. Repent, turn, faith. It's a walk. It's a daily walk. 
And what we'll do next Sunday is we'll come back together. We will hear from you some stories um, about how you've applied this to your life. I know that Brian and, and his community, his missional community, his small group has, has been talking about this for a while, and you've got some stories that can be shared. And so we'll maybe start out next week how, how they applied, how some of them have been able to apply this to their lives. But we want you to think about that this week because why? Because spiritual growth is important to us, and we want to close the gap between what we know in our head and what we believe in our heart. And that process is called sanctification because becoming more like Christ is extremely important. Anything else you want to say? That's a lot, isn't it? It begins with Jesus. It doesn't begin with us. Salvation doesn't begin because all of a sudden you feel as if the process begins with the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart and all of a sudden you become aware of something that you've not been aware of. And you recognize your sinfulness and you realize that your sin separates you from God. Can you imagine that in the midst of our sinfulness, because of living in sin, some of the things that we miss out on the blessings, missing out on some of the blessings that God has for us, and that's for all of us. So my prayer is I send you out. Man, I send you out this week to think about the truth that God is great and that he is in control. And because he's in control, you don't have to be in control. So I wonder how that will permeate your life this next week as you seek to grow in him. That's huge. And if you're here today and you don't know Christ and you've, you, you've been struggling or there's an issue that you've been going, I'll, I'll, I'll be down here, Brian will be down here. Listen, the first step is saying yes. That's the first step. But every one of us are on a journey of faith. And every one of us, as we talked, or unbelievers at some, to some extent in our lives. But let's, let's lessen the gap. Lessen the gap because we want to be more like Christ. Father, today I ask your blessings upon what we've talked about and that you would be our teacher. There's going to be some conversation about this topic this next week. Father, would you remind us, um, may, may we not just grab another book and try to change our behaviors that's great but let's get down to the root of really where it's at and that's the fact that my belief about god may not be right the truth is that we've heard today is that you are great and you're awesome and you're in control and as a response of that i can take a breather and say god you got it so help us to practice that this next week May we be your ambassadors as we walk out this door. May we be your people of peace. We don't have to put billboards up on a highway or we don't have to put up a lot of signage or put our names in the paper or anything else. Our greatest selling point is the lives of the people that attend heritage that are living for him on a daily basis. May we, may we be your people, God's people, the family of God, focused, focused and moving out praying for other churches that are within the area, other families. Lord, uh, that you would bless them as well, be with their pastors. Thank you for the testimony we heard today about one that just gave her life to go for seven months to, a, to an unknown place. May we be willing to, to take those steps of faith. But this is your day. Speak to us as we leave this place. May we learn to grow, to become more Christ-like as we live out a heritage of faith. 
in Christ's name. Amen.